Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. We are on week eight of Who Holds Forgiveness. Week eight. We are exactly, um, if we can say math, don't worry about the math, we're in the middle. We climbed uphill and laid down a strong foundation. Our strong foundation is, ha, good girls. I was actually going to say God. (laughs) We found scripturally who holds forgiveness, who holds our forgiveness. It's God, God, God. Every forgiveness, that forgiveness, the big forgiveness, the ones we call the little forgiveness. God is the one who holds our forgiveness. We saw that with Joseph last week. Starting today and going into the next seven weeks, you might want to put your boots on. Because once you get a foundation on scripture, then it's time to apply scripture. So many times we want to apply scripture as soon as we read it. And then we get frustrated that it doesn't work. Have you ever done that? You read the fruits of the spirit and you're like, oh, fruits of the spirit, I'll put that on. And then your flesh takes over and you fail and you're like, well, scripture doesn't work. Or you read scripture and you study that scripture and you pray over that scripture and you embrace that scripture and you let that scripture seep inside of you. And then it applies on its own and you see the fruit come out. That's when application comes in. When we try to apply without reading, it's all in our flesh. We together have studied and read and embraced the word forgiveness according to the word of God over the last seven weeks. Today, week eight, we're going to turn into application. We are going to be in Genesis 50. If you'll join me opening up your word of God to Genesis 50. I always read from the ESV. It's um, what I use. The version that you have is perfect and wonderful. Once we have it open, we'll um, bring Genesis 50 collectively to the Lord. Sometimes we read familiar passages. This one's going to be a familiar passage. In fact, we talked about this one. If anybody um, participated in our But God series, We did an eight-week study on But God. It is available. It is online. It's on our podcast. It's on our video. You can email us at womeninseparable at gmail.com and get the PDF file and do the study at home. It's an eight-week study. It's yours. There's no cost. So if you're interested, do this eight-week study of But God. It's well worth your time. We talked about Genesis 50 in that study. It's a familiar passage. My prayer is that it's brand new today. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, how good you are. It's amazing to me how you create such a thing called family. So many of us have emotions that come when we think of family. But Lord, you've given us the family of God through the death, through the burial, through the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. You've given us a new family. A family that comes with the emotions that are seen in Galatians 5, the peace, the joy, the love, the patience, the self-control, the goodness, 
Lord God, you've given us a family. I pray right now that as we sit among our family, as we think about the family that we were born into, our bloodline that we were brought into, the emotions that come with that, we think of Joseph and his family and the emotions that came with that. And Lord God, we lay it all at your feet. We lay the emotions of the family of God, of our physical family, and of Joseph's family, and we ask you to do what only you can do. I pray that you will provide us understanding, not our own, Lord God. May we not lean on our own understanding, but that will unfold scripture today and that it will provide your understanding to us as we are where we are. I pray no comparison is made. I pray no thought of evil comes upon us. I pray Satan will have no place among the family of women inseparable, whether it's today recorded live or our podcast girls or our Zoom girls or our home group girls. Lord God, I pray that you'll keep Satan away from our thoughts. In the name of Jesus, this is what we pray. I pray that your words alone will be heard today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 50. We talked about Joseph last week. If you missed last week's lesson, that's all right. You have a free choice. You can look back at podcasts and go to our Rumble channel and watch the video if you want. If you don't, don't. It's fine. Each of our lessons beautifully are its own study, so you don't have homework to catch up on. Yay. I told somebody the other day, good dear friend of mine, that I don't give homework. It's not my habit to give homework. And she rolls her eyes. She says, you say you don't give homework. But the personal challenges that are offered in Women Inseparable are so much worse. <laughs> I don't give homework. The word of God gives homework. I pray that we get our personal challenges today. And don't force it. Can I say that? A little sister advice. Don't force a personal challenge upon yourself. Sometimes we want to do that. But sometimes it takes us further than where God wants us to be at the time. Have you ever experienced that? Like, oh, I need to do that. I need to do that right now. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't go faster than God. Give yourself a break. Stay where you are. That's where God's going to meet you. And when he's ready, be ready. We got to talk um, about Exodus 1 and 2 with a bunch of kids yesterday. By a bunch, I mean nine. I think we had nine kids yesterday. Look at Dandy, because she and I are in this little um, game together with children. And we got to talk about Moses and the Israelites and the Israelites crying out to God. And we were telling the kids, I'm like, it's so, so important that you stay close to Jesus because Jesus has a plan. And one day that plan is going to be you. And he wants you to rise up. And you have to be ready. And you have to be ready by talking to Jesus, reading his word, so that when God says, I have a plan and my plan is you, you're ready and you stand up straight and you say, yes. The smiles on these little faces yesterday melted my heart. So sweet. Dear sister in Christ, God has a plan. His plan is you. Be ready. As you are where you are, talk to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. And when God says, I have a plan, be ready to say yes. Scripture good. No matter how old we are, Scripture's good. Galatians, not Galatians. Wouldn't that be funny if we end up in Galatians? <laughs> Sometimes that happens. <laughs> 
<laughs> but until that happens, let's go to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to be in verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, quite the introduction, we are clearly jumping into a story. If you do not know the story, uh, read Genesis 36 this week. There's your personal challenge. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to themselves, it may be that Joseph will hate us. It may be that Joseph will pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Some of us might be asking a question, what evil exactly did they do? Again, your answer is in Genesis 36. We are not going to take the time to go through uh, the evil deeds of these brothers. Verse 16. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, and in quotes, this is what their words were. Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and please forgive their sin because they did evil to you. And I pray for the stories of our families that are on our hearts right now. Verse 17 continues and it says, and now the brothers are saying, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Remember our word is forgiveness. Be where you are. Joseph was right where he was. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18, his brothers also came and his brothers fell down before him. And he said, or they said to him, behold, we are your servants. I'm going to stop there. We're going to finish the little chunk in a little bit. I wonder at this moment, if Joseph thought about his dream. I wonder if this very moment, if Joseph thought about his dream. We talked about his dream a little bit last week. I don't even know if we talked about the dreams. I just gave you a Read scripture, you'll find his dreams. One of the dreams that God gave Joseph when he was a teenager was, your brothers will bow before you. And then he ended up in a pit and on a mountaintop and in prison and on a mountaintop. Joseph's life kind of went like this. Can you relate? Such is life, right? I wonder how many times Joseph thought about his dream when he's in the pit, when his brothers are above ground, looking down at him in the pit. If Joseph wondered, was that dream really from God? Because this is quite opposite of my dream. My dream was that they were going to bow down before me. And here I am below them. God, I thought you had a dream. I wonder if the dream crossed his mind through his successes and his fails and his successes and his heartache. I wonder if he thought about his dream. And I wonder at this very moment when his dream finally happened, it happened. His dream was happening presently at this moment. His brothers were bowed down before him. Do you picture pride anywhere in this? You see how Joseph saw his relationship with God throughout Genesis. It was about Joseph and God. It was always about Joseph and God. I have a feeling when his brothers were bowing before him, when his dream was happening, I have a feeling pride was nowhere there. 
have a feeling he sat there and received his dream. His dream came true. The dream that God put on his heart, that God put on him when he was a teenager. Here he is, an old man, an older man, elderly, <laughs> further in life. How do you want me to word this? And his dream was happening. I wonder if his brothers thought about this at the moment. His brothers knew about the dream, which is why he was in the pit. His brothers heard the dream and had hatred toward him. And now here, collectively, they just fell down before Joseph. I wonder if they thought, whispered to each other, it's happening. This is why we hated him. Did they still? I'm curious. I don't have the answers. I'm very curious what emotions were going through each of these men, Judah and Reuben and Simeon and Levi. What were they thinking at this time? How was Joseph receiving that? Have you ever had somebody bow down before you? Makes not often, Jane. <laughs> just, just sometimes. Uh-huh. What, would that, what emotions are going on in this story? We're focusing on the emotions that walk along with forgiveness. It says halfway through the verse of 17, and now, and now the brothers say, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept hearing those words. It's curious to me as I read over this passage this week, how much the brothers didn't know the character of Joseph. Do you see that absence? These brothers, I feel, and I could be completely scripturally wrong on this. So this is just Jacqueline talking. I feel like the brothers never really understood the character of Joseph. And it makes me wonder if they understood the character of God. Because they separated themselves from this. They removed themselves. I don't know if they understood the character of God. I don't know if they fully understood love. There's an absence, isn't there? There's an absence of this emotion going on. There's a lot of fear. And even Joseph calls him out on that. He says, and we see that in a little bit. He says, don't, don't be afraid. There's an absence of love, but not in Joseph. There's no absence of love in Joseph. And when you put a story on paper, there's always a victim. Isn't there always a victim? And here, Joseph, his story on paper, Joseph is very clearly the victim in this whole situation. And yet victim, Joseph, is where the presence of love is seen. Throughout his life, no matter where he is, love. In the pit, we see love. In prison, we see love. On the mountaintops, we see love. In the face of temptation, we see love. And it's not described so much in his marriage and in his children. We see that those acts take place, that he got married. We see that he had a son. We see that he had another son. But it's not about his affectionate love with his wife and with his sons. His love was 100% always listed with his God. And I think that the brothers missed that whole mark. They missed it. And I'm not saying that this is where we need to judge. And I'm curious how many of us are thinking of that family member. Anybody else have a family member in their mind? Sometimes we get hurt by family members. Sometimes that happens. Oftentimes that happens. I'm curious if there's an absence of love in that person. 
And I pray right now that as we think about that person that caused harm in our life, where the issue of forgiveness needs to be um, put on the table, laid before the throne. If we can look at ourselves, not at that person, but look at ourselves and ask ourselves, am I the image of love? Might be a good question. Might be a good personal challenge. Sister, do you know Jesus as your savior? If your answer is yes, ask yourself, in this situation, am I the image of love? And don't think of what other people look like with love, because then that's where comparison comes in, right? I could look at my friend Jane and say, oh, Jane is the image of love. I don't look like Jane. We don't want that. I'm Jacqueline. I need to look like what love looks like from God on me. Same with you. Are you the image of love? Like, well, I want to talk about them, and I want to talk about forgiveness. That's where it starts, is it not? Are you the image of love? If you are, be confident in that. It's okay to brag on God, isn't it? Sometimes we want to be so humble that we're offensive to God. Oh. <laughs> Don't be that humble. Give glory to God. If you are the image of God, if you bear the light of his love, proclaim that. You can see that, the smiles that cross through the room just in that one sentence. It's okay to shine the light of the Lord. Isn't it scriptural, actually? And the light of the Lord is, in fact, love. So if you were to put your story on paper, there's going to be a victim. And my friend, if you are the victim, my heart is with you in prayer. But if you are the victim, I pray that you don't claim the word victim. And can I say this with a sweet sister heart? Can you not claim the word victim and claim the word love instead? Do you know Jesus is your savior? You may have been hurt. You may still presently be so hurt over the situation. You could legally be identified as the word victim. But do you feel a weight when you feel that word? Can you take off that word? Can you take it off? Take it off and put on the word love. That's the word Jesus has given to you. Love. It doesn't erase your story. It doesn't erase the truth of your pain. It doesn't erase all of that, but it does heal. And it does provide the way to forgiveness. It does. And we're going to see how that does in these next seven weeks. We're going to apply what that looks like in the next seven weeks, which means there's going to be, as our pastor says, feet to the message. And putting feet to the message sometimes is not easy. Sometimes it's when things get real. And may we not get real without love. Isn't that scripture? Isn't that Jesus? Jesus is all those commands. Set them aside. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your soul. Love the Lord your God. If your story is on paper, write the Lord's command above it or over it. Get a big old Sharpie and write, love the Lord your God. Love, love, be the image of love. I am the image of love. I am the image of love. That's who I am. I am. 
I'm loved by the great I am. If your story is not on paper, and this is going back to our But God series, this was a personal challenge, write your story down. Write it down. You're like, oh, nope. <laughs> if you're at a nope, don't you dare write it down. But if you're ready, oh, write your story down. I can testify the freedom that will come when your words are written down. I was told as a teenager, be careful, don't write anything down. Be careful when you write things down, it makes it real. As a caution, I stand here today with wisdom and declare it's real. It's real whether you write it down or keep it stored up in a Pandora's box. Your pain is real. Give it freedom. Give it wings to fly. Write it down. And then cover it with the love that Jesus Christ has given to you. Love. It's a simple different message from this passage, isn't it? With the word love over this story, let's start in 15 and see where scripture takes us. When Joseph's brothers, when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, their eyes, their perception was so um, off the face of God, wasn't it? There's an absence of their eyes on God. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. Do you see where their forgiveness should be asked? Do you see what they should be doing differently? Not to judge, not to point fingers, but to learn a lesson here. The brothers were asking for forgiveness from the wrong source. Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now they said in verse 17, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. How sweet how sweet when we can portray the love of Jesus, even in the hardest of situations. I was asked recently, how do we um, evaluate the progress of women inseparable? How do we do that? I was asked that recently. Because I get asked, like, what are your numbers? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, how many people are there on Thursday? I don't know. I just there's great smiles. Literally all I know. No idea. So I was asked, how do you keep track of your progress? And I can tell you how. This is how I keep track of the progress of Women Inseparable. I have an envelope that sits on the top of my, one of my shelves in my office with my name on it. It just says Jacqueline. And the envelope has only been read by me. It's, it's sealed on the top of my shelf. Inside that envelope, is a testament of what God did during our But God series and one heart of a woman and women inseparable. That's progress. That's women inseparable. I have emails stored in a file on my email thing, computer women, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when emails come my way of, I just have to share with you what God did, oh, that's progress. That's progress. When we can stand before somebody that tried 
that try to label us, whether it's the word victim or that word that's on your heart, the one that you know so well because you've carried it so long. When we can stand before that person and weep in response. And your tears are not tears of, you hurt me, you pained me, you, 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 you. Your tears are God. Oh, but God. I, I know, I know you, we see these words in a moment, I know you meant harm. Oh, but let me tell you what my God has done. And you weep. And you're weeping. Your tears are not for you and your pain and your victimness. Your tears are in joy of what your God has done and tears that that person will receive what God has done for them. When you can look at that person that hurt you so desperately and want so desperately for them to know your God the way you know your God, oh, honey, that's love. That's progress. That's increasing and rooting yourself so deeply in who holds your forgiveness that it just spills out, spills out. And now, verse 17, I'm just, my eyes are so drawn to this second part of verse 17. Forgive me as I want to read it one more time. It says, and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18, it says, His brothers also came, and they fell down before him, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph, but Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God. He says, you've come to the wrong source for your forgiveness. You've come to the wrong source. You've come to the wrong source. Thank you for saying I'm sorry. I appreciate it. But for me to stand in the place of God and deem the words, I forgive you, is not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. Curious if that gives you freedom in your situation. We want so badly sometimes for that person to come to us and say, I'm sorry, that's good. Saying sorry, that's manners that we teach our three-year-old. Saying sorry, that's good. Say sorry. But the act of forgiveness is not ours to give. It's God's. We learn that with our forgiveness, right? We, we've laid our sin before the Lord and said, sorry, you forgive me. And every time God says yes, and our eyes stay here and we go, oh, how can I forgive? How can I sin against my God? He holds my forgiveness. And as much as he holds your forgiveness, he holds their forgiveness which means you have to put that in God's hands. It's already there. That person's behavior, words, heart, ickiness, it's in God's hand. It's in God's hand. We sit there and we want to try to pry it open. You don't deserve the forgiveness of God. 
But just as much as God has forgiven me, God has forgiven him. Can you say that sentence out loud? That's a hard thing to say. That's a hard thing to say. Can you say that sentence out loud? As much as God has forgiven me, my God has forgiven him. There's freedom there. There's freedom there. Are you willing to receive that freedom? Joseph says, do not fear. For am I in the place of God? Verse 20, it says, as for you, and these are the infamous words. As for you, sweet brothers of mine, whose forgiveness is in the hand of God, you meant evil against me. Curious how he didn't um, hide it under a rug. He didn't excuse the actions. He didn't say, oh, it's okay. Did you know that's not forgiveness? It's barriers, boundaries. That's good. That's good. Call it out. That's good. He called it out. He didn't say, oh, it's okay. We think that to forgive means we hide it. We hush it. We stand tall and smile. Some generations in the past taught that. Pull up those big girl pants and press forward. He acknowledged it. He says, you, you, you weren't nice. You most certainly wanted evil. That's a big thing to say. You wanted evil to happen to me. It's a big thing to say. It's an okay thing to say. But God, hmm, you, you meant evil against me. And I really don't think there's a judgmental tone. I think it's a confidence in who his God is. It's showing the love of who his God is. He says, yes, indeed, you meant evil against me. But God, but God meant it for good. Because you see, my God had a dream for my life. My God had a plan for my life. And my God used your evil to make my dream happen. That's what my God did. I'm not here to be the one to offer you forgiveness. I'm here to proclaim who my God is. And my God is, he had a plan for me. And even though you meant evil in my life, God took that evil and he turned it around. He used that for his plan, for his glory, for his praise. And who am I to say anything other than God? It's freedom. As for you, verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about. How beautiful to see what God can do with our story, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. You think about his story and how he went from the pit to the mountain to prison to the mountain and all of that happened for the glory of God so that he could be used to save a nation's hunger. That's amazing. He didn't look back at his story and say, but, 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 (laughs) but he looked back and he saw what God did. He saw what God did and what God did was he turned it all around And he allowed him to feed the hunger of a nation. 
And if I can turn that around to our nation, our nation's a little hungry. It's a little hungry. And I pray that we don't get political and we don't look at headlines in our head. Keep those out. But the truth of the, the matter is our nation is hungry spiritually. It's hungry emotionally. It's hungry mentally. It's hungry physically. Our nation is hungry. Imagine what God can do through your story when you write the word love over it and go outside. Who can you feed? Simply because you took off your label and you replaced it with love. Simply because you're willing to say, God has forgiven me and God has forgiven them. Let me go say the name of God and go feed the world. Like I can't feed the world. Can you go outside? There's going to be a human in front of you. Even today, you're going to go somewhere and there's going to be a human next to you. Shock. They're everywhere. <sighs> right? You can't get away from them. You try, and then you go to the store. There's going to be a human. Whoever that human is, think to yourself, I wonder if this is who God wants me to feed. And then feed them. How do I keep apples in my purse? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you have an apple tree. God will use that. I don't know. But I think the fruit of the Spirit might be a good source to feed. The Lord is laying on your heart. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Feed those around you. Easiest way to do that. Claim, I'm forgiven. Claim, their forgiveness is in God's hand. Claim that. And say that every time Satan says, but they say, but God. But they, but God. And let God turn it around. Let God turn it around. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that people, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Verse 21, he concludes this, this section. And he says, so do not fear. He comforts twice the ones that brought evil to them. So do not fear. I will provide for you and I'll provide for your little ones. I'm here to feed, and I will feed you. Hmm. Father God, Lord, emotions are so big. Pain is so real, but you are so much bigger. You are so powerful and so, so real, so strong, so true. Your light is so bright, and your forgiveness is never-ending. And Father God, I pray right now that you will help us to see, help us to physically see ourselves sitting literally in your hand. May we see our posture sitting in your hand. Feel that rest of sitting in your hand. And then God, if I can pray that you'll allow us in that position in your hand, allow us to see how big this space is, how there's space in your hand, even, even for Joseph's brothers, 
God, there's space in your hand even for that, that person, for that parent, for that sibling, for that uncle. Lord God, there's room in your hand for that person. Help me, help me, Lord, as I sit in your hand to move over and provide space for that person. Lord, forgiveness is yours. It always has been, and now I see it. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord, to apply the power of your forgiveness. Help us to show it through the love of Jesus Christ. Lord God, that is my prayer. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.